Amen? Amen, amen, amen. I love it. I love the buzz. I love it. You know, like I always say, uh, most of you probably heard me say it before. It honestly is, um, you know, and I say this without trying to embellish it in any sense. It really is a privilege <laughs> to really be in the house of God. Amen. Um, and I always quote this uh, saying that David once said, he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, this is the heart posture when we come into the presence of God. And the reason for that is very simple. It's simply because we are expecting that, you know, God will minister to you. Whether that be, um, you know, you can come here and expect God to encourage you, for instance. Or maybe you're looking for a specific word in this specific season that you're finding yourself in. And you just know that as you come to church, God will speak. And trust you me, God speaks in a lot of ways. Through the worship, through the word, and even maybe when someone said hi to you <laughs> when you came in today. Maybe God spoke to you during that time. Amen? So, um, once again, I welcome you to the house of God. I, I keep saying the house of God because, um, you know, when we enter the house of God, there are certain things that should happen. And the first time the, the phrase, the house of God, was mentioned is in Genesis chapter 28. And in that portion of scripture, you hear of a man called Jacob. Amen? And, you know, on his way, he, had, he was on a journey. And he happened to just rest at one point. He, he put his head on a, on, a, on, a, on a stone. And then the Bible describes how he, he got caught up in a vision. He saw angels ascending and descending up a ladder. Amen? Number one, in the house of God, we are essentially um, you're due to have an encounter with God. Because when Jacob now arose from his vision, from his sleep, he said, surely the, the Lord was here and I knew it not. Then the Bible goes on to describe how he says, from today, this place, he gives it a name and then that name translates to the house of God. Is anyone following me at all? So when we say the house of God, number one is a, a place where you expect to have an encounter with God. You know, and that was another defining moment in his life. You know, it, there's a lot of things that shifted in his life after that one encounter. Amen. So I just want to encourage you, you know, just um, once again, I welcome you. And, you know, if you're first time, if this is your first time here, I just want to encourage you that the, the following weeks, you know, this should be something that should be in your head because um, you're due to encounter something tonight. Amen? Amen. So, you know, during this um, two weeks, I believe we've been, we've started um, this series called the I Am series, and the whole purpose of it is to um, essentially paint a broader picture and a more uh, detailed picture of who the person of Jesus Christ is. And I remember during the first week, I kind of put it out there that is, is necessary for you to understand why we're doing this in the first place. You know, it's so easy to um, get involved in the things of God, but not really know why. 
or who you're even worshipping, so to speak. A- amen? Is, uh, is anyone following me? It's, it's so easy. And we don't want to be the, the type of person that finds ourselves in that position. We want to do everything because we, we want to mean it. And the only way you can mean it is when you know what you're doing and why you're doing that thing. Amen? So we're just trying to understand who this Jesus guy is, so to speak. And um, we started off by speaking of him as um, uh, the, the, the good shepherd and the door. And essentially, we laid the foundation that, you know what, this, and I don't know whether you, this might be your first time perhaps even hearing of this name, Jesus. Um, but tonight, I just want to put that preamble there that he actually is a personality that we're speaking of. You know, as far as we're concerned, he's not a figment of our imagination. This is someone a being, a person, God himself, who we long to have a relationship with. Amen? And this is the same person that we're speaking of here tonight. And my heart's desire, assuming that this is, y- this is your first time here tonight, is that you will also become an individual who moves or shifts from that place of just hearing of this Jesus guy to having an intimate relationship with him. This is my heart's desire. And I believe this is the heart's desire of God himself. Amen. So, yeah, we spoke about him as, as the good shepherd. And we, we essentially said how he willingly laid down his life for all of us. Now, the, 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 the core of the gospel is how for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if any one of us believes in him, that we would no longer perish but have eternal life. You know, and time did not permit me to expand on what eternal life meant, but John gives us an insight and he says, for this is eternal life, that they may know him. So as far as John is concerned, the degree to which you come into oneness with him Amen. Determines what eternal life, eternal life looks like for you. Is that making sense at all? You know. So that that was just that. And then we spoke about him as um, the way, the truth, and the life. And that was last week, I believe. Um, and we were just saying how you know what? There's no formula to this thing. You know, we're all seeking things in this life where we're seeking truth, we're seeking meaning. Your whole reason for being in university at this moment in time of your life is because you're trying to acquire meaning about something. Amen? And that's the reason why you, you've, you've traveled from wherever you came from to Leicester. You know? And I was just saying how life is just all about finding, finding the meaning of something. Ever since the beginning of this world, I would like to believe that Men of different ages have come and gone, in fact, attempting to bring meaning to something. How this world spins on its axis without anything holding it, <laughs> you know. These are things that we've, we've pondered on for, for so long, you know. But last week we discovered that in all our uh, I- I desire, to seek for meaning and seek for the way to success or prosperity or whatever, 
it may be to you, you discover that Jesus is the way. There's no shortcuts, frankly speaking. The Bible makes us understand so. But you know, tonight, I'm not supposed to actually even be given the word. Um, you know, most of you probably know Pastor Wally. Um, you know, started this imprint church. God gave him the vision. I'll speak about him another time in, in more detail. Um, and he was supposed to be ministering this evening, but he's had to move his date a bit further back. Amen. So I believe, you know, God has his way of um, making sure that things still flow. <laughs> Amen. And luckily for me, this is an opportunity for me to expand on what we started off last week. Because last week, we were speaking about Jesus Christ as the way, but here we have it where I focused on a, a particular area. So I was talking about there's no formulas, and, and, and it's true. There really isn't any formula. But when you get to the bottom of what John was saying in John chapter 14, which is where we read from, you will understand that there is um, a key emphasis. There is a, tell your neighbor, there's a key emphasis. There was a, there's a key emphasis, and the emphasis of that portion of scripture is um, Jesus' um, journey to the cross. Amen? His journey to the cross, and, and uh, um, eventually what that would mean for us. So, parabolically speaking, he comes and he kind of wraps that in a nutshell. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And he just kind of wraps it in a very nice way. But we have to kind of uncover that, um, you know, pick that apart to really see, you know, he's spoken a lot of parables. And when you see the nature of parables, you understand that within it, there was an intention to... Um, help those that had the interest to know more, to, uh, to really see the bigger picture, but at the same, at the very same time, conceal the, 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 the essence of the, you know, of what was being said from those that didn't really want anything to do with this. Is this making sense? So it was like a, um, a dual, it had a dual impact. That was the nature of parables. So Jesus speaks in a parable, but to us, and I would like to believe you have this heart posture here tonight, to us who want to know more, to us who want to understand more of him, because you can never know enough of God, you know. You really, even in eternity, you will never know enough of God. Um, but we have, once again, the word privilege, we have this privilege. We have this privilege to be one of those individuals whom God has called to share in his mystery. Amen? So tonight, like I said, the key emphasis, and I, I'm trusting God to um, you know, speak to all of us in, 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 in his own way. But the theme of this message, if, you wanna be, if you're writing notes and you want to put a title of any sort, is the revelation of the cross. The revelation of the cross. Help me preach to your neighbor. Tell them the revelation of the cross. I just quickly just want to throw it out there. When we talk about the cross, what do you understand by the cross? And I just some hands up. 
anyone, you know, don't be shy. Here, we have a light atmosphere, trust me. The Rev, yeah, what's your take on it? So what do you mean what do you mean about life? Do you wanna expand for us, please? Can everyone hear him by the way? All right. Oh, uh, so for me this week I understood that I, I said what life. For me I understood that that my work was found on the cross. Now when I mean my work was found on the cross was that when Jesus Christ died for me, I was worth that much for him. So so I was worth that much for God for him to send his son to die for me. So my work was found on the cross. So yeah, so no one could keep me any lower than how God treats me. So yeah. So Josh, anyone else? You know, yeah, Tyro. Let's let's clap for Tyro as well. Um, <coughs> so the cross is it's kind of like a it's a brutal, torturous method of execution, and it really signifies if Jesus had to go through that in order to. Um, cancel out my the debt that I needed to pay him. Like it firstly shows how heinous my crimes against him are, but also <laughs> but also like how how much he loves me. Like he sees me like he, s- he sees all the dirt. He's willing to go through that suffering for me. But like as as Josh was saying, it's mad so one more person. Anyone? Yeah, Aaron. Um, I think the cross represents two things um, for me. The first of which being sacrifice. So obviously, well, most of us will know the way that Jesus gave, Jesus gave his life for us, and that was a form of sacrifice. And I think the second part that it speaks on is um, almost like, almost like three in one, like responsibility, burden, and mandate. Um, the idea. Yeah, yeah let me. I shouldn't even be preaching. I should be leaving that to you. Uh, um, so responsibility. I believe in Luke somewhere. Apologies. It says each man must carry their cross, um, saying that we must all there's certain bar- um, burdens, certain vices that we must deal with. And we have to deal with those on a daily p- basis. I think it says each man shall pick up his dos- cross daily. In fact, um, so that sort of explains that it's a responsibility. It's a burden. Um, and it's something that God see he's very much stated that it's a thing we have to do, so that's why I say, I say it's mandated for us. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. You know, the reason why I just wanted to just kind of, s- you know, see what we all think is because, <laughs> uh, permi- permit me to say this, um, if you may, you know, we live in a world where there are, let me start off this way. We see a lot of symbols of the cross, so to speak. You know, you, you, you can go anywhere today, right now, and there'll be a cross. I'm talking a literal wooden something, you know, um, and it will just be somewhere. But And then you have people who also wear uh, like crucifixes as well, you know. So in all of it, evidently, it appears as if this is some something important, you know, because of how the we've the world has when I say the world I mean just people in general has depicted this thing. But then what does it actually mean? Like what's the what's what does it really mean, you know? Um and that's what I'm trusting God to help us 
um, dive into. So let's all go to First Corinthians chapter two, verse two. Don't forget that um, John fourteen is just a background reference. Um, we're building on from last week, if anything. So First Corinthians chapter two. Verse 2. Tonight we'll be reading a few scriptures, so if you have your Bible, do you get that out? Um, all right, if you're there, just say amen. Uh, the Bible says, okay, it says, um, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I also want us to turn to First Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 23. This is what the Bible says there. It says, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Another translation will also speak of how the message of the gospel is foolishness to them that are perishing. But is the for, for us that are called, it is the very life of God. Amen. Um, the moment you begin to hear words like the life of God or, you know, wh whenever there's an emphasis that to us this means a lot you need to pause and really reflect on what makes it um, relevant or what, what makes it so important for us. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? Because here we have Paul speaking about how to some, this is a bunch of, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's just, you know, but to us, it is the very life of God. So now we have to go all the way back and find out why this is the life of God. What was it about Jesus dying on the cross that causes Paul to say, this is the life of God. Amen. And don't forget what he, he makes mention of. He says, I, I, when I came to you, I didn't care to preach about any other thing apart from Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the message of the gospel. How one man willingly God himself, willingly, because of, you know, he used the word heinous. Is it heinous or heinous? I don't even know how to, my, my lingo is a bit, <laughs> there you go, big, big words, you know. And, um, you, but essentially what Tyler was trying to do was paint this image of how the magnitude of the brokenness of mankind you know, time once again will not permit us to go all the way back to how that came about. You know, we can go all the way to Genesis and discover that. And I believe God will give us the opportunity. But the magnitude of mankind was so, um, that word, um, to the point where God had to step in the scene. Like, you know, and, and understanding that God is a God who, it's not just holy, it's not just righteous. You know, all these things we've, 
you know, God is righteous, God is holy, and they're prophesying, they're declaring er and everything. And as a result, you can just imagine that it is impossible for God to contend with sin forever. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? So, okay, think about it this way. You, you, Josh, you're a very clean person, you know, and you love to be very clean. But then, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you, love to be, you love to be a very clean person. And then, um, you know, obviously, maybe things get a bit on top of you during the week, uni, things like that, you know. Um, as, as a result, your room is a bit, you know. <laughs> you know, but you begin, it will make you feel uncomfortable because naturally you like cleanliness. You want to be clean, and, and, and the environment is not <laughs> conducive enough for you to even, even, even do your work in your room, so to speak. With that picture in mind, it's the same thing I'm trying to paint here concerning God. God is holy. God is righteous. And as a result, he has to go the extent to eradicate this, this dent once and for all. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? Once and for all. Not, okay, let me, let me clean up today and then I'll come and clean up tomorrow. That was not God's plan. And when you have this idea in your mind, this is when you begin to understand the magnitude of the sacrifice and all these words you laid out. You know, how heinous, heinous, the, you know, you know, and then how much of a sacrifice it was, you know. Is you only appreciate this when you understand that God had to deal with a particular situation once and for all. Amen? If you're following, just, just read. You know, and um, this is what Paul is talking about. So Paul's standing here speaking about the message of the cross or the gospel of Christ and him crucified being life to us. He's drawing our attention to something. And we need to pay, and we need to give it um, that attention. Um, but I also just also want to touch on, um, before I go on to why the cross, what does that even mean? And, you know, why, wh why is it such a big thing? Because we need to understand it, you know, so that we can appreciate it, like I was saying. Um, before that, let's just all turn to, um, so let's go back to John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14, verse um, 3. And I read, the Bible says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I, I take that again. And, I, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, when I read that, one thing sticks out to me immediately, which is this idea that 
the whole reason for Christ going to prepare a place for me is so that I can gain access to something. Just to start off with, I read that and that's immediately what I see. Because, you know, as he said, he says, I go to prepare a place for you that when I come again, um, I will receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. So it is God's desire for you to come into oneness with him. And not just oneness with him, but to live the very life of God. Amen? It is God's desire. And, and you see, once again, we'll, we'll touch on this another time. But this was what was already there from the beginning. When God made man, he gave him dominion. God gave man dominion. You know, uh, the Bible speaks about how God would literally walk around in a garden in the cool of the day. There was a oneness with, with, with God. Literally. You know, and then things went wrong, to put it very simply. And then that now stifled us from the life of God. I'm really trying to emphasize on this life of God, life of God, because you see, this is the essence of Jesus dying for you and I. It goes beyond just paying for our sins. Sins. Is anyone hearing me? You see, because it's easy to, I don't want to go ahead of myself here, but it's easy to, um, just dwell on this idea that, okay, the whole reason for him dying for me was just to pay for my sins. And then it, for you, it can end there, literally. It can literally end there. But you have to look beyond that because there is the death and then there's also the resurrection. Amen? There's the death and then there's the resurrection. And we're not touching on, you know, we're not really trying to isolate things and, you know, we're trying to speak holistically. But I just want you to have that picture in your mind that it goes beyond just him nailing your sins to the cross, nailing all the things you've done wrong to the cross. You will cut yourself short if you end there. You really will. And so, yes, maybe... Now, ever since you came into the things of God and you came to, uh, um, you know, into oneness, into a relationship with him, over time, you've, um, you've mustered up the ability to, to say to yourself every single day that um, you are no longer an old creation. Behold, all things have come new, have become new. And... This is something that you're able to, to say to yourself every single time without any, any difficulty. But then you must look beyond that. Amen? It's good enough knowing that you've defeated sin. Marvelous, honestly speaking. Because we live in a world where, um, you know, David said, in my mother's womb, you know, <laughs> how essentially before he was even born, sin was already all around him. This word is so broken. I can't even begin to, to, you know. But that's why we have Jesus. That's why we have God. So that despite the fact that you find yourself in a broken system, 
you can still have the ability to live the God kind of life. Despite being around, um, uh, when I say broken system, broken world, I speak very generally, but if we were to be very specific, you know, in a world where uh, people struggle to show love to one another, so to speak, the reason for him dying for you on the cross was so that, okay, your sins are, are, have been paid for, no problem. But now, because of the fact that that has brought you into an ability to live the God kind of life, now all of a sudden, contrary to popular belief, you are able to demonstrate love when the factors are not even demanding for it. So let's even be more specific. In within your friendship group, so to speak, you see against, you know, literally everything staring at your face to cut this person off. They they can go their way to just make you red. You, you understand me? I'm sure you can relate. You understand? You know, and, and I don't know, it's some, some things happen in this life. But all I'm trying to get at here is that despite that, because now you are living the God kind of life. So <laughs> because you're living the God kind of life, you know, your first instinct is not to cut the person off. Your first instinct is to is to is to reflect the love of God to that individual. Is anyone understanding me? You see, we're human beings, we're driven by emotion, a lot of ego, pride, thing, you know, we can name it all. But when you begin to live the God kind of life, which we have been given access to, so this is not some, some spiritual or something, you know, it's not like some, it's beyond you, no. It's you've, he's, he's paved the way. Hence why he comes and he says, I am the way. <laughs> like, He's paved the way for us to be able to live like him. Is anyone understanding? So, 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 anyway, that's, that's what I believe um, John was trying to get out here. But like I said, why the cross? You know, because we can also simply, even after hearing this, go and still wear crucifixes around our neck, but not really understand why we're doing it. So why the cross? Um, let's all turn to Romans chapter 3. Why the cross? What's this power of the cross that Paul keeps speaking of? What's this? What causes the cross to have the ability to give us this God life we're speaking of? Romans chapter 3. This is a disclaimer, you know, when, when I, in regards to my previous point, when you begin to live the God kind of life, and I'm not even trying to put anyone off here or anything like that, you know, there are parameters that can help you discern that, okay, now you've shifted into that gear. You, you, you know, it's, once again, there's not something that becomes oblivious to you. We're talking, it's very tangible, not just for yourself 
but for all to also see. Romans chapter 3, verse uh, 23. The Bible says, if you're dead, just say amen. The Bible says, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. I've kind of briefly mentioned how, you know, this word is broken and everything cool. But when we're now, let's take the, the lens or the cameras off the world in general sense. And let's put it on us. I remember once upon a time in scripture, um, there was a statement that was made and it says, the heart of man is desperately wicked. You know, after the fall, things, re things really, really went wrong. Um, and corruption, greed, you know, a lot of negative stuff, basically. But you can go the length of this lifetime with those things still rooted in your heart. But God's intention is not for that to happen. Amen? So what the cross, first and foremost, does, it reveals... You know, and I go back to, to what Tyro said. It reveals the condition of the human heart. The message of the cross and Christ dying for you and I. Imagine what what you see. What did he do to deserve that type of punishment? Just figuratively speaking. Meanwhile, this is really what happens. You read a lot of um, articles, books, or whatever, and they make mention of how there's no other form of torture that could ever amount to what he went through. So we're talking the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. And he went through that because of you and I. Because of our sins. You know, so the message of the cross, before anything, is supposed to reveal the, 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 the condition of humanity. But when we're talking about humanity, just put yourself there. It's easy to speak about humanity and exclude yourself. The cross reveals the nature, the heart posture of humanity. Amen? But once again, God doesn't want to end it. He doesn't just want to make it a thing of like, oh, you know what? Um, the heart of man is desperately wicked. That's not what his intention is. It's to reveal, it's to m help us um, be aware of it so that now, we can um, um, actively repel sin, receive the life of him, and begin to live like him. Amen? So that's the first one. If you're writing this, number one, the purpose of the message of the cross is to reveal the condition of the human heart. Um, secondly, it's also supposed to, like I said, show... God's, um, how do I phrase this? God's position regarding sin. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this quite bluntly to be fair. God despises sin. It's as simple as that. And we've kind of used that analogy to help us try to understand why that may be the case. But God is holy, God is righteous. And as a result, sin cannot be something that he has to 
he would even want to contend with forever. That's why, like I said, he came and he paid for that price once and for all. So the, the purpose of the message of the cross is to, now think about it this way. What would cause a father to give up his, <laughs> I love how the writers of the Bible, they use certain phrases, certain words, his only begotten son. Yeah, let's even kind of demystify that and bring it to our level. Like, you as a father, you willingly give up your own son for the sake of someone else. This is the magnitude of, or the extent to which God despises sin. Because let's not forget the reason why he gave up his son. So that he could eradicate this issue of sin once and for all. Is anyone hearing me? So, it reveals um, God's position regarding sin. God hates sin. You know, and I just want quickly want us to um, read Romans 8, 23. Some of you might be familiar with it, but uh, we'll read it anyway. And the Bible says, it says, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. <laughs> we eagerly wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. This is the, he said, the, this is what we're groaning for. And I'm trying to kind of um, paint a picture here. You know, you might it might not uh, you might not be aware of it. How in this walk of life, as of now, within you there is a desire to to um, not only better yourself. And we 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 put in in these phrases to better ourselves to seek the best for ourselves amen in this context that we're speaking of this is what jesus comes to offer us because we are broken by um like, like i said when david was saying in in my mother's womb was i conceived like sin was all around me so think about that if that started from the very beginning of his life he would literally go through the stages seeking for him to seeking for the opportunity to live a better life is anyone understanding me so i want us to like have that picture in our mind also that there is an innate groaning within us we okay is 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 this way one example you come to university for instance and um you know there's a void in your life. There's a void. Maybe when you were coming back from home, you had some family problems, some family issues, a lot of friendship issues and whatnot. And as a result, you come to university and because of the, the flexibility of, um, or I mean, because of how easy accessible certain things are and the freedom, let's use the word freedom. You know, you have your own space to do whatever you want. 
as a result of that freedom or that yeah that freedom you now decide to indulge in things such as um drinking alcohol for instance meanwhile this was something that you never <laughs> you didn't even know what alcohol was before if we were to use another example um you become <laughs> a gallium glucose or whatever they call it. Uh, this one's for the mandem, and uh, obviously the ladies also. You know where you, you, you know, how uh, this applies. But you come to uni university. Amen, amen, amen. I'm not supposed to trigger no one. Um, you see, maybe this was something. Uh, it's not. You were you were a good guy, you know, back in back at home, living a good life, you know. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in no, no. It's a serious matter what I'm talking about here. You find uh, yourself in university and you some way, somehow find yourself indulging in certain things, basically, contrary to what you're used to, basically. Now, we can look at that and think, oh, maybe it's because you've uh, mastered up courage. Maybe uh, you, you lacked self-confidence before you came to university and being in this environment has helped you to become a more confident person. And we can literally leave it there. If you're not following what I'm saying, we can literally leave it there. But then I found out that that's actually never the case. It's all a facade. It's all um, an attempt to, uh, I'm a, I speak this with utmost sincerity. You know, Please permit me to use the words I'm using. Is a is a is a form as a coping mechanism. Is a is a way to just mask up what's what's really troubling you. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? You know, and this is the story everywhere you go in university. Now, if I was to bring that back to the previous point I was making, all I'm trying to say. Uh, using this example is that within that individual and, and 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 side note you know this thing can spiral it can i mean it can have a knock-on effect so it goes from okay your friends invited you to the club one night and you were just like okay you know then eventually now it becomes something that you are all you're wrapped up in you this is something that you you actively do now you understand what I'm saying? So the question is, what's happening in that whole dynamic? What's what's really going on? And like I said, when you really look deeper, you'll find out that there's an innate longing for healing that a person is desiring. I use the word healing to apply to all the other examples that you can ever think of. But there's an innate longing within that person to be to be comforted, to be touched, to be mended. Amen? And this is what uh, Paul was trying to get across to us. How we have this groaning within us. There's that groaning within us. And then he goes on to explain what the expectation is. And the expectation is that we may be redeemed from our brokenness. Amen. I would like to believe that as we're sitting here, 
we are all individuals who are probably going through one thing or the other. Yeah, and if you're, you know, life can be good sometimes, but then there can even be that little dent somewhere. You know, so I, I would I would believe that this is something that we can all relate to. What do I mean? I, all I'm saying is that we are innately longing for something to either heal us, mend us, fix us. You can put the words there yourself. There's that innate cry. Someone probably sitting here tonight came from a broken home. I know your life, what that has done to you is made you very closed up, very, you know, non-expressive. And you've used that as a coping mechanism for so many years. But then you yourself, you know that deep down, you just want to be healed. All you're actually seeking for is, is for this brokenness to be fixed. You know that, you're, that you, you know that, you feel that. Maybe people might not see it, but you know that. Now, tonight, I came here to just deliver a very simple message and let us understand that the cross has given you the opportunity for that to happen. If you believe that, shout amen. When Jesus died on the cross, like I said, not only did he die for our sins, but he opened up all those possibilities. The possibility whereby, despite how broken you are, you can still be healed. Despite how wounded, it don't matter how big the dagger was, that wound can still get patched up. Jesus is the greatest physician you can ever meet in your lifetime. So I'm speaking to all of us tonight, and I just, I believe God wants us to just, for one minute at least, if you feel like you want to close your eyes, you can do that. Well, you see, <laughs> it's easy to go the length of this life dismissing the things that need to be addressed. And eventually in life, that discrepancy will show up. Believe me, it will, it will, it will show up in a way that you probably least expect. So my heart's desire, and I believe this is the heart's desire of God, is for you to allow him to fix that as soon as possible. So just close your eyes and just begin to just um, reflect on, um, you know, what is that area in your life that you know deep down that, you know what, in this area, all I'm longing for is God to patch me up. But I've gone out of my way and I've just um, tried to cover that up with a lot of things. You know that area yourself. God will, God will remind you. Tonight, he's just saying to you, my son, my daughter, you don't need to pretend no more. Allow me to fix this. Because I've already made that possibility available. 
but just let me handle it from here. 